Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pat and John on their best behavior. I'm John. And I'm Pat. And I finished a project. Yeah, so uh, it's been a big couple weeks for uh, Patrick Kresopstani. Uh, yeah. Two, two major developments since we last recorded. Um, Pat, you want, you want to talk about them uh, in the order that they occurred? Uh, I have a bed frame now. <laughs> <laughs> And I can make coffee by myself. True, uh, true, true bachelor lifestyle going on here. Um, no, I uh, I finished this the infamous short film, which has been mentioned uh, numerous times on this podcast. I have yes, finished o- oftentimes said film. Uh, because of frustration from <laughs> our two guests who are also in the short film, uh, Alex Chernin yes. and Lily Donahue, uh, pestering yes. Pat. Uh, to, as to when it would actually be finished or whether it would actually be finished yes and it is um and it is on my instagram uh which we'll we'll put it we'll put in the show notes but yeah it's uh for everyone to watch um and i, I want to thank everybody for the really kind words so far um you know it's it's a it's a short comedy film about having a nut allergy obviously john hates it because yeah. the idea of having to clean up the kitchen after making a peanut butter sandwich is uh is is as bad as you know the idea of voting for joe biden for right. john yeah. so <laughs> i don't i don't like media that that encourages me to change any aspect of my lifestyle in any way uh it's not it's not for me um what is this, what is it called pat it's called nut boys Hell yeah. Which is ironic if you watch it. Right, right, right. That's the level that I'm operating it's, on. Yeah, there's a lot packed into uh, three three minutes and 45 seconds. Yes, yeah. Uh, yes, I, I have seen a couple different iterations of this film. Uh, sorry, Alex and Lily, I have seen multiple iterations. Um, Thank you for that. I appreciate <laughs> you doing that right now. Thank you. Bless you. And uh, yeah, I, I just wa- I finally got around to watching it just like a half hour before we started recording, and uh, it's very good. I, I had seen it before, but it, it's it's uh, mm. it's it's and Pat and I actually haven't talked about it uh, yet because I hadn't seen it. Uh, but it's uh, it's very tight, it's very funny, very well shot, very well acted, well written. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, he's what not talking about. He's not talking about Francis Ha. <laughs> yeah, no, he's no, <laughs> no, no. The the spiritual successor uh, to Francis Ha in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, so definitely go check that out. We'll we'll mention at the end of the show as well as a little uh, little reminder. Uh, what's the other uh, big development that has occurred for you, Pat? Well, this week was my first week of Zoom University. <laughs> um, uh, it was my first week of grad school. Um, uh, it was uh, it was a lot. Um, yeah, had quite a few people, not not a few, but some people in my program opt out. Uh, a bunch of I guess people who go to Carnegie Mellon have dropped out. Like my a TA for a class I'm taking has dropped out. Um, cowards. It's been a little <laughs> cowards. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, if you don't have pre-existing conditions, shut the fuck up. Right. Um, <laughs> No, but um, it's been. It was uh, it was an interesting week. Um, obviously, all of my teachers are over sixty, and that's that's not a slight, by the way. Right, right. Um, that's a good thing. But they, I they have wisdom to impart. I, I I do not think that I will have any class in person this semester, which is a bit of a bummer. But um, what are you going to do? 
Um, there's been we had a couple meetings this week with with people working in the industry and you know the entertainment industry is still still going on strong and I think um, you know what I mean well, what am I I mean there's there's no kind of like the the world going back to normal is is not up to John or I thank God it's not yeah yes yes <laughs> that is true uh, yeah it would be a very different uh, very unfortunate world if that were the case. Uh, yeah, I also, I started class two weeks ago, but I've been in grad school for a year and it's not nearly as interesting or... Well, like, also like John has never, never left academia since right. uh, 2007. <laughs> that, so. that is true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. I had for all intents and purposes, you know, 20, 26 years of, of in-person education. And the well, time were... that I spent in the classroom was far too in-person for my liking. So really <laughs> right, this right. is, this is balancing, balancing it out. Right. Um, all right, so uh, this week we have a we have a special little uh, little little two person. Uh, it's just just the bros, just the bros hanging just, out, just, just the bros. Uh, some good dudes rock energy going on. Uh, what do we call these? Do we call these episodes like the homecoming episodes? Like um, every ten or so episodes, it's just us two. I don't know. Homecoming is is pretty good. I don't know. Maybe we should we should crowdsource that to the to the Pat and John heads to come up with good. Uh, yeah, I mean only crowd. We'll only crowdsource it to you if you have a master's degree. But uh, yeah, if you have a master's degree <laughs> and if you've also uh, left a review and a rating for the podcast, right? <laughs> so send us a screenshot of you with your uh, your degree in one hand, your your diploma in one hand, and then your screenshot of your uh, of your review uh, as well, and then you'll be qualified. Um, but we are so Pat and I obviously have been friends for a while, and a big component of our friendship has been uh, watching things together and listening to things together, but also uh, recommending things to each other. And by that, I mean um, <laughs> I will recommend things, or Pat will recommend things to me, or mention them in passing, and I'll be like, "Wow, I I I want to check that out because I want to know more about Pat and the things that are important to him, and and what you know the things that have been formative to the person he is as a, as an individual." Uh, and then on the other end, that looks like, uh, me sending things to Pat and Pat not checking them out (laughs) or acknowledging that I recommended them to him in the first place. So the theme of this episode is for John, it's business as usual. Yeah. For me, it's a reckoning. It's a reckoning. Precisely. (laughs) And I went, and and I went easy because I could have really like. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Could have made him watch, uh, an elephant sitting still, uh, which is, you know, a four hour, uh, real bummer of a, of a Chinese, uh, like experimental film. Uh, but I did go pretty easy. Um, so yeah, so we, oh, I love that. I love that you said that. Oh yeah, that's a real bummer. But the other (laughs) stuff you picked, they were a bunch of real uppers (laughs) by my standards. They're, they're uppers, uh, which we'll, which we'll talk about. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so this was actually Pat's idea. Uh, so the idea is that we're sort of playing catch up and, uh, we each, tackled three different things that the other has recommended either in like in the past or recently uh so yeah we're just gonna go like one one by one we're gonna go back and forth um we pat recommended a film the first episode of a television show and an Mm -hmm. album to me or a Mm mixtape to me Mm -hmm. uh and i recommended two films and an album uh to pat so do we want to say what they are off the top or do we want to do we want to no, let's let's do surprise. reveal reveal them as they go. Okay, you know. awesome. Um, all right. Well, I'm up. Well, I guess I'm up first in the sense that we're going to talk about something that I recommended to Pat. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, so so listeners will know <laughs> that uh, this film was discussed a lot with uh, Kyle Amato on mm-hmm. episode five. Shout out to Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it check was out Hotcast. Apart- it's back. It's back. Check out Hotcast. Um, and it's the apartment. Um, had been uh, harassed about watching that <laughs> numerous times. Yes. Um, and I got around to watching it, and it's it. It was not what I expected. Say more and about that. That's not a bad thing. It I'm also not, wasn't. I'm, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm saying that's not a bad thing either. Yeah. But I was expecting a movie uh, akin to His Girl Friday, like mm. a real snappy screwball. Right. And th- there are a lot of the same kind of archetypes, like dame kind of archetypes and like ah, come on kid yeah right right Buck, yeah. pucker up son right <laughs> um but the apartment is kind of has this level of profound sadness and yeah. loneliness into it yes yeah uh it couldn't so be me you couldn't be me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why john would ever be into this is yeah. beyond me yeah. um and it was kind of very like anti i, I mean yeah, it's like anti-capital. I have to. I have to. Can I say something? Yeah, go ahead, please. In the past three weeks, I have been around people. All they do is throw around anti-capitalist when it comes to mm. art. Yeah, and I think it's done. I, that's over. Yeah, Parasite. Yeah. We love it, but it kind of ruined it. Yeah, I think that's like, true. Yeah, like movies cannot be anti-capitalist. They can just be critiques of class. Right. 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 Not everything is like, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, now yeah. it's like, oh, I don't like Domino's pizza because it's capitalist. <laughs> like, why don't you break that down? What does that actually mean? You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Yeah. That's, uh, the, he'll, Pat will tackle that in, in the, the sequel to Nut Boys. <laughs> uh, yeah. He really, no, he, I won't. But he really <laughs> sticks it to, uh, to planters, finally. Finally. Yeah. I, I stick it to the, the, but I guess that guy's dead. R.I.P. Yeah. The, the planters peanut guy yeah Um, that's true so i'm so sorry i got off track i didn't expect it to be like the satire of corporate culture Mm -hmm. and especially like sexual harassment yeah yeah corporate culture um i am a Mad Men fan are you a man no yes no i I saw i watched a couple episodes it was just too much for me to tackle though i really enjoyed it one of these days but you can you can see where they got a lot of the shit from from the apartment and like There's these great shots of the office that are just like rows oh, and rows. I, of, one of my favorite shots of all time. It's yeah, so good. The rows and rows of desks, which um, just convey this this uh, this. You know, it's like an assembly line. Yeah. In an office, right? Um, and it's like very expansive and empty. Did you not? Did you know that they actually filmed that by like in the background, like having like much smaller desks? I did. It's, That's I, amazing. I, just to yeah. cram that stuff. Pre- For just CGI. that one shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Um, uh, let me just say a little bit about... Please, I, we please, We always please. forget to do... No, I, I've, we should always do this more, and I, I always forget to. Uh, just like a little bit about like, what the, these movies are actually about. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, so you, you, I'll just you give, do like, that. The quick, you give the yeah, long the quick one. synopsis. Yeah. So um, directed by Billy Wilder, came out in 1960, stars Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. Uh, Jack Lemmon is this guy who works in an office like as an insurance person uh and he has this really nice apartment that he lends out to men in his <laughs> office so they can like use it to like have affairs with higher ups in the office yeah yes that's true yeah higher ups who like yes can like give him like you know uh good references and referrals and he himself is like just a very lonely bachelor like 
all he ever does is go home like every single night and make like you know uh tv dinners and watch television again couldn't be me (laughs) um (laughs) uh, i cook now every now and then um and yeah and there's this girl in the office like an elevator or a woman in the office who's like an elevator operator that he is attracted to as well and it's kind of like about their interactions and it, it gets very thorny the plot gets very tangled from there um but yeah, that's that's just in general like the the main the main plot. Um, yeah. Also, it was not what I expected um, because and I well, so for Pat, I hope I'm, I'm not selling you out, but this is your first Billy Wilder film. My, yeah, my first yeah. Billy Wilder film. So yeah. it was not my yeah. first Billy Wilder film, but I only ever encountered him through like his noirs, like Double Indemnity, Ace in the Hole, mm. Sunset Boulevard, which are like very dark movies. I hadn't seen any of his comedies, but I watched it for the Best Picture project and. I just wasn't expecting it to be like incredible because I didn't know of him as like a comedy writer, but then I just, I just, I loved it. Like I, I find Jack Lemon and Shirley MacLaine just to be so charming to watch. Mm. Their dynamic is just incredible and their chemistry is incredible. Um, and I just love, I, well, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I like that the spoilers, brr, brr, brr. Yeah. Um, the ending of the movie, their relationship is still unresolved. Yes, yes. Like, nothing is consummated in the, the rom-com sense. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people, like, label this as, like, a proto-rom-com. Yeah. Which it is, but it's also way darker than that. Yeah. Like, I don't know yeah. many rom-coms that have suicide attempts. Yes, that's true. Um, yeah, Nora Ephron, you fucked up. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yes, that is true. Up the greatness um, of when Harry met Sally, and I think the the ending of this movie and their relationship is still really messy and yes. unresolved. And at the end, it's like, are they going to be in love? Are they just going to be friends? Are they right. just kind of like two souls who just like need each other? Which I think is probably atypical for the time. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, still to this day, like th- that kind of ending is. I like it. I like messy endings like right. that. Um, ambiguous endings. Um, yeah, the the new the is it the Christmas party in the, the office? Yeah, the, yep, yeah, the Christmas party. Yeah, it ends on the New Year's party, um, but there is a Christmas party. I mean, I think that when he opens up the oh the mirror, the docket, and the and you see the crack in it, yeah. and you see his face, and he yeah. knows. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that is so well done. Yeah. It's heart it's heartbreaking. It's really so well done. And he pulls it off too. Yeah. Yeah. Jack he, Lemon is he's, he's just so incredible. fucking great in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And ever and Fred McMurray is in it as well, sort of like in a role that like goes against his like, you know, sort of like sitcom dad uh persona mm. that he was like so well known for at the time. And what I love about the movie, I mean, I think that this is like obviously I haven't seen every movie ever made, but I this is this is my favorite screenplay of all time. And I mm. think it, like, has to be, like, one of the best screenplays of all time. Like, it's just so, yeah. it's so, like, line by line, it's so witty. And there's so many incredible, like, quotes. But it also, like, the story holds together so well. And the characters are so great. And it's just, I mean, it's Billy Wilder who is, like, seen as, like, the greatest screenwriter of all time. Slash one of the best directors of all time. Just, like, kind of at the height of his, like, powers. Like, yeah. this was 20 years after, you know, his incredible run in the 40s. And it just, it just all works so, so well. Um yeah, I just I can't I can't say enough about this movie, and it's just like instantly when I saw it, I was just like I'm. It, I I think I said this in the um in the episode about the best pictures winners, like the entire 
project of like watching all 93 best picture winners yeah worth it just to discover this movie randomly yeah because i wouldn't have discovered it otherwise most likely and it's interesting i think historically people look at wilder's other movies like i was reading an article and and um which is crazy because this movie is it's not underrated if it won best picture right like that's not that's not how that works. Right. And it w- did it win any other Oscars? It was like up for a bunch of stuff. But one best screenplay. It, he won. Oh, he was the first person to win best director, best producer, and best screenwriter. Like all did at be- once. Best producer used to be an, an award. Well, sorry. He, he won because he was a producer. He won it for best picture. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so okay. he won director. Okay. Yeah. As a director, producer, and a screenwriter. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, it was like well acclaimed. Probably. I think mm. it's, it won more stuff than any of his other movies did. But. I think for some, I think just because like Double Indemnity and Sunset Boulevard are just like more within that thing that we know Billy Wilder for, which is like a pretty like dark and cynical view of the world, sure. which still comes through in the apartment. But I just love the tenderness that it has, and the fact that you just have these like characters who are feeling used by the people around them, who are just like longing for some sort of connection, and it's all packaged yeah. in this way that also like does kind of have this like sort of critique on corporate culture and like corporate masculine culture um as well as like you know anyone can in the 1960s or any you know I was, I, was, I, was, I was thinking about the the neighbors in the apartment the oh, yeah. the german couple yeah um i mean can we can we read them as his parents his surrogate parents oh i think the so. doctor yeah because yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like they're like critiquing him but they're also like mm-hmm. helping him and but they're right. critiquing him for things that he's not actually doing. Because the whole joke is that, like, yes, they think yes. that he's, like, having sex with different women every single night and having right. all these parties every single night. When in reality, he's, like, on the street wandering around until he can, like, you know, go home. He's, he's essentially being sexiled from his own apartment. Right, right. Which, you know, and for those of us who have been That's why I live alone. <laughs> yeah, those of us who have been sexiled in college. Uh, <laughs> th- maybe that's why it resonates with me more than anything. That's just the experience I connect with. Um, but that's so great. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear. Th- I thought that you'd probably like the movie, uh, but but I wasn't. I wasn't totally sure. But I'm glad to hear it was a was a hit. So we're we're one for one so far. One for one. And you can find the apartment uh, on Amazon Prime currently. Yeah. So get it while you can. All right. So uh, one of the things that Pat recommended to me was the pilot of a little show on uh, the Home Box Office Channel Network. Yes. Called True Detective. Yes. which I had never seen before. Um, well, well, well. Let's let's di- let's specify the season. Yeah, sorry, the season one. Yeah, yeah season the pilot from season one of True Detective. That's yes. very important. Yes, I've discovered that's very <laughs> that important. Is, uh, very important. Yes, I had never seen it before. Um, when it was like when it first came out, I just wasn't watching a lot of television. Um, I think really like the only show that I was watching at that time was probably Girls. Like, that was the sure. only thing that I was, like, regularly tuning in for. I just, like, wasn't hip to that whole whole world. So I knew it was good, but I just, like, I just hadn't watched it. I, like, knew that, like, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson were incredible in it. But mm-hmm. I that's really all that I knew. So Pat finally, finally got me to watch it, and I watched the pilot and really didn't intend on watching the rest of it because I, I have a lot to do because I'm starting my semester. And I was like, I don't need to, you know, start binging a television show right now. But, uh three days later i had watched the entire show because the first episode is incredible um yeah i mean like i kind of knew what to expect because they're matthew mcconaughey's character is kind of like memed a lot like that was really like yes. the the fusion of all these different aspects of like matthew mcconaughey's like personality and his like persona 
um, just like dialed up to like 50 million but it still works so well and his character is so incredible and like the his, the dialogue in that show is really remarkable mm. um just like the entire atmosphere like the, there's like these weird like psychedelic aspects to it both yeah. because of like the central crime but al- also because of like matthew McConaughey's character but then you also have like woody harrelson's character who's just like this very grounded dude who just like wants to get the job done um, and is like a total shit show in other aspects. Um, and that dynamic, I think, is like what makes the show work so well, in addition to the fact that it's like a, you know, pulpy sort of true crime uh, sure. story. Well, I was thinking about uh, watching a lot of YouTube clips um, recently. <laughs> That's how <laughs> can you weird imagine? I'm getting. Um, <laughs> I've been, uh, you know, the, the show is about like, evil but it's really about like biblical evil Mm, yeah like rust the main character is always talking about lovecraft and the bible and all atrocities throughout human history yeah and the the louisiana is so desolate yeah and so muggy yeah and you know, and the, the crimes are when, disgusting as well. And the crimes are horrific. And it really is like this, like there's something so sinister and evil that's not, I don't know. It's just, it's always really stuck with me. And there's yeah. a, there's a great montage. I don't mean to steal all your thunder, but no, I, please. Let, let, let's talk, let's talk about the, the, the montage where he is. So Matthew McConaughey is interrogated and tells the story of the cases. He's not interrogated, right. but he's uh um, interviewed mm-hmm. to help them find the the killer that's still out on the loose, and he's cutting beer cans yes. <laughs> and making them into these like horseman like figures, these like yeah. apocalyptic figures. Yeah, and he's telling, talking about you know your your dreams, your aspirations, your hates, your anger. It's all one thing. It was yeah. all part of the same thing. And there's this kind of great shot of him and Woody Harrelson at a at square dancing at a bar mm-hmm. and then it's cut into the reveal of one of the villains of the show who yes. is yes. clad in covered in tattoos yeah. neo-nazi and just nuts tattoos and tidy whities yeah. wearing a gas mask yeah. with the nozzle flailing it, around it's and horrifying. it is it's horrifying yeah, it's very it is, troubling. <laughs> it's really tough to deal with. Yeah. And I, I remember watching that in my dorm room, so scared. And yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I have genuine chills right now. Yeah. Thinking yeah. about that. Like, I, I think that moment was when I was like, oh, I, I need to finish this like within the next like, yeah. three days. <laughs> like, I need, I need to know more. Um, and then there are so many moments like that just throughout the season, like the endings of these. I mean, like, obviously, like you need to with a show like this, you need to make the endings like, you know, they need to pop and they need to like make the viewer want to continue watching. But this show does it so well in a way that like even other like really great like HBO, like Netflix, like prestige dramas um, just don't quite do. Mm. Um, and yeah, and once again, it's just their their chemistry is just is just remarkable and their performances are remarkable and it also like because you because you like pat was saying like you bounce back and forth between like woody harrelson being interviewed in the present matthew McConaughey being interviewed in the present and then going back to like the case that they're describing and woody harrelson doesn't look that much different but just like the just the way that matthew mcconaughey like wears the age on his face yeah 
and in like, the in the original case like he just seems much more like spry and just like a totally different person um the way that gets across is just a testament to how incredible an actor he well, really is well it's like if if someone was looking at pictures of dead bodies for like 15 years right right that's probably what they would end up looking like totally crushing crushing a six pack of lone star <laughs> right at nine in the morning right like <laughs> right yeah long hair uh, beard yeah and i i think do you want to talk about the comedy in this show the like the black comedy of yeah like rust saying yeah the most esoteric <laughs> arcane thing ever yeah and woody harrelson pretty much saying shut the fuck up yeah right yeah he's like i'm yeah the epitome of like i'm so sorry that i asked um <laughs> yeah him because like early on he just like wants to know more about rust because like he doesn't open up at all and then he realizes that like that's the opposite of what he wants at all times and rust just like doesn't give a fuck and is going to say whatever he wants to say um yeah, I mean, and that that is a joke that just, like, never, it just never gets old. Like, that dynamic mm. doesn't get old. Um, and it kind of, like, takes you by surprise every single time. Because you also sort of, like, get lost in what Rust is saying. Yeah. But Woody Harrelson's character very much does not at all. And he just, like, no, no, he no, just no, can't. No. They're no. just totally on opposite ends. Um, yeah, well, and, and you really do get the sense that, like, these characters are, like, taking in, like, this these really terrible things that they're seeing. And they're kind of, like, causing them to disengage from the world around them like mm. um marty woody harrelson's character like you know has affairs and like has a really incredible family that he doesn't like attend to and it doesn't like sure. explain it away but he like, he he talks a, he talks a good game about having a strict moral compass right obviously. yes exactly obviously. yeah yeah and and yeah and and takes issue with how like you know rust doesn't believe in anything and doesn't you know buy into religion and doesn't just like you know focus on like the simple things and just chill out for a little bit um but yeah his his life is a shit show like i said well so that that comedy that comedy is gone in the next two seasons and uh, that's why they don't work the second one is unwatchable on that, yeah. 80 different levels and, and that's the, the one th- with um uh, uh colin farrell yeah. vince vaughn yeah um there there it becomes too much mm-hmm. and there's not enough chemistry between people and the the one with Mahershala that was last year that's better that's kind yeah. of it was had many throwbacks to the first season mm-hmm. and and Mahershala is so great in it but yeah. um again it's just like the comedy of the first season is really underrated well, I shouldn't say the comedy but like kind of like the existential black comedy of the first season is really underrated and it's why the other seasons haven't been at least to me as interesting yeah i can imagine not just not being as like dynamic as yeah yeah because when you have like that well when you when you have like that dynamic between the characters like you're just able to get away with so much and you're able to like do so much with it and you're able to like live in that in so many different areas but yeah if that doesn't exist in the other in the other two so it's the third season is Mahershala and who who's the counter this guy named St- Stephen Dorff but it's not this it they're not as close oh okay story wise as gotcha. Rust and Marty so it's really Mahershala Ali is like the focus of yeah 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 okay yeah gotcha. he's uh, like really great in it um but it's just not yeah you know there's something about like those shots when they go over the bayou or oh, like go yeah. over the homes that have been destroyed by the hurricane and you're like yeah. 
yeah where is this is yeah. this in hell is this hell right. it like reinforces like the yeah. physical desolation but also like the moral desolation that all of these crimes totally. are getting across yeah totally. yeah i i don't i don't think i'm gonna bother with the second the second two seasons um just because no. i i remember when they came out like everything i was hearing was like oh yeah like they're not as good as the first two and it's like not even close um or the first one that is um but yeah, I'm glad I watched it. I wrote a poem uh, based off of it that I sent to Pat. Uh, I'm not going to read it on the air, uh, but uh, yeah, and it was it was actually inspired by that image of the guy in the gas mask that just like it haunted me to the point where I needed to write a poem. Although, what doesn't haunt me to the point yeah. that I need to <laughs> write a poem? So yeah, and if if you'd much. like to he- if if you'd like to hear that, you can enroll. Uh, yeah, to the Syracuse uh, yeah, creative take, writing department, yeah, or take my writing 105 class that I'm teaching asynchronously. I'll uh, I'll assign that for 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 reading for my kids. All right, let's move on. Let's take a little a little dip into uh, the world of of music. So, is it really a dip though? I mean, it's <laughs> one desolate landscape to another. That is true. At, at least in my, or I guess in both of our cases, in different in different ways. Um, so I assigned Pat an album by the band The Hotel Year, the emo slash punk band The Hotel Year, and the album is called Home Like No Place Is There. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about this album, Pat? Uh, well, the cover is one of those New England homes that I want to firebomb. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. It's in Massachusetts, too. Like, it's not outside Boston, but it's close enough outside Boston. So... Yeah, I mean, listeners of the show will know that John LeMay is is quite into um, emo music, mm-hmm. and um, he's had quite the storied history in the New England uh, <laughs> pop punk scene. That is true. And I mean, yeah, it's it's an album. Hmm, how am I supposed to say this? It's really messy. The emotion on the album is really messy, which is mm-hmm. dumb because it's called it's called emo for a reason. Right. Um, it's not as maybe to give some context to another band we've talked about on the show, The Wonder Years. It's not as triumphant as The Wonder Years. Mm-hmm. It's not as necessarily as um, snappy mm-hmm. or, po- or polished. Polished, yeah, as The Wonder Years. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty alienating, but it's really raw in a way that I really liked. Mm-hmm. And there is a ton of urgency to this whole album. And I love the album because it's 36 minutes long. Yeah, it's short. It's um, very, very tight. There's only nine tracks on it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I was really taken by a lot of the songs, especially by this one song, um, which I believe we're going to play. Yes. Called Your Deep Rest. And let's yes. let's actually let's bring up one of those lyrics because I want to uh let's uh, yeah, well, let's, this let's, is, let's, it, let's play a little bit of it first. Okay, let's play yeah, it. Listen to a little bit of it first. This is Your Deep Rest by the Hotelier.
Okay, so we need it. We need to talk about that line. Okay, is there a more John Lemay line than <laughs> "I called in sick from your funeral"? The sight of your family made me feel responsible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ladies so, and gentlemen, we call you can you can drink now. <laughs> I and to the point where I actually I oftentimes will use like lines from other like poems and songs and like movies in my poetry don't worry i i i give credit where it's due i'm not a plagiarist uh and that is in fact an, a song or a lyric that i that i integrated into my poetry and my my professor i handed in that poem a couple times my professor kept correcting it and she was like no i think you mean like it's called in sick for your funeral like you're calling in sick from work in order to go to someone's funeral and it's like no 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 like that's not what this lyric is conveying which is just like a, such a weird right, concept right. that uh, yeah, very much gets at like a lot of the ideas at the uh, at the heart of the album. Yeah, well, I'll just um, yeah. What's your relation to this album slash? So, this album came out in 2014, and I mean, this I, I joke like this is a po- this could be a podcast episode by itself. <laughs> this could truly be a podcast episode of itself. But I would just say that I have a very close relationship to this uh, movement in music called emo revival, which essentially 30 seconds. Uh, emo started as like a thing in the 90s, uh, like a genre in the 90s that became sort of like mislabeled and like misunderstood as like being conflated with like pop punk, like bands like Fall Out Boy, My Chemical Romance. And that's what we refer to as like mall emo, but it like wasn't actually emo and there's actually very little like overlap between the two. And then like later on in like the late 2000s, early 2010s, there were these bands that kind of like reclaimed the original like sound and like ethos of emo. Um, And I like had friends who like were in a lot of these bands uh, that I kind of like was just very much there when it was happening. It was like a cool moment that I was like kind of sort of a part of. So this album is huge because this was one of the moments when like a band from that scene which is very segmented like started to like actually get like acceptance within the larger like indie music scene like this album got a really good review from pitchfork and was on a lot of like end of the year lists and is considered to be like one of the best emo revival albums of all time but for me i just connect with it because it's very much about trauma and tragedy and it's about like ideas of home and place and the ways that we like connect to tragedy to particular locations um and this album like came out not long after I had experienced like a personal tragedy and had lost a friend and kind of hit me at the right time because the lyrics are very just brutal and the album is very brutal and honest. Um, and then like as I've continued to engage with those ideas, the album has kind of like been there for me um, and has just been like a very, I don't know, uninhibited like expression of all of these things. Um, and so I'll play the song that I brought in uh from this this album uh it's called an introduction to the album it's the opening track i'll just play a little bit of it I've seen this band live three times, and they open their sets with this. It is insane. Like, everyone is just screaming every single word to this. 
Um, and I'm just gonna skip forward a little bit because it pretty much goes like this for like the entire song. And then we get to like a nice little build. Okay, this is 3.23. So it's, it's been going like this for like three minutes, three and a half minutes, and then we have this part. And then we're off. And when you, when they, when they uh, play this song live, the, the lyric is, and the pills that you gave didn't do anything. I just slept three years on end. And then you can hear Christian in the background, like, yelling fuck. And, like, when he plays it live, like, the entire audience just, like, screams, yeah. like, fuck at the same time. And it's it's really special. Uh, it's a really special, special album, really special experience. And, yeah, I just like it because it's, like, it's, it is short, but it's very dense. <laughs> very yeah. dense. Yeah. Which I think Peck can attest to. The audience is imagining 400 white kids screaming, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. And that that is an emo show. That is that's all you need to know. Um, yeah, there are a lot of albums that I wanted to toss Pat's way, and all of them were kind of in this world. But I feel like this is like a particular like articulation of this world. No, uh, it was, that I, it, was, I, it was a pleasant surprise. And every song is like very different, and sort of like does something different for the sake of the album. And like the songwriting is, I think, really really incredible. Um, cool. Well, let's move uh, on to let's, yours. Yeah, maybe a different genre. Yeah, if you will. slightly, <laughs> just um, a little bit. So yeah, why don't you uh, tell them what I recommended to you? So, I decided that I wanted to give Pat like the shortest possible album because <laughs> I'm kind. And Pat, Pat, lover of ninety-minute films and believer that no movie not directed by Martin Scorsese should be over <laughs> two hours, uh, sent me the double album or double disc mixtape by Lil Wayne uh The Drought 3. Uh and yes, it is DA Drought 3. Um uh yeah, so this album came out in 2007. Was it right before the Carter 3 came out? Carter 3 is 2008, so. Okay, yeah. So yeah, right before um right before that album, which is like seen by many as like Lil Wayne's sort of like, you know, magnum opus. Uh, and yeah, I don't listen to a lot of mixtapes. I kind of intentionally avoid them because I'm like, of I like to sit down and listen to an album that is sequenced in a particular way. Sure. And so I, I just, I don't listen to a lot of mixtapes cause I don't really know how to listen to them. Um, but once I was able to kind of like settle into this and kind of like take off like that, that hat. Um, I mean, I love Lil Wayne. I just, mm. I only really listen to his albums. But yeah, it, there are uh, 14 tracks on each album, uh, <laughs> and I don't know exactly what the what the running time is. But there are yeah, there are 29 tracks, so it's it's a it's a slog. Um, but yeah, it's it's well, great. Tell people, it's, this it's, is free. This album is free. It is free, and yeah, it was free yeah. in like, 2007. Like are free. It was free in 2007. Yeah. yeah. Um, and was kind of like part of like a legendary run of free mixtapes that he yeah. was that he was doing right there were the other uh, the droughts there were uh, the is it the a destination no nope. dedication 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 yeah. sorry um, albums which there are there two or three of those there are there are more six of those oh my god because you almost assigned me one of the dedication albums. the second the the first and the second and the first and the second are yeah. absolute classics the third is yeah. okay and then the rest are you know. okay gotcha. 
Um, but yeah, so this was kind of like a, a long run of free mixtapes when he was also like just starting to sort of like come on the scene or not come on the scene, but was starting to gain like national sure. attention. Yeah. Um, I mean, and he it's had really been... interesting to listen to. Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, he had been a public figure since he was 13 years old. I mean, he was a rapper right. since he was 13 years old. So, um, but this was really, the mixtape stuff is really when... He, it's really an it was an ongoing experiment which is like yeah. a really kind of cool thing to think about that like yeah he had the albums and the albums are obviously classics like the carters and uh he had like a collab album with birdman but it was he was mm-hmm. really working through his own process in real time yeah um which i i, I find fascinating i mean it's it yeah. really fucking fascinating and that's kind of like where like that's for a lot of like rap and hip hop artists like that, that's what mixtapes allow you sure. to do. You, yeah. it's, it's kind of like the same, like I feel like for like rock or punk bands, like that's kind of like what the live shows are for or sure. like what EPs are for. Um, whereas like you see rap and hip hop artists because a lot of it has to happen in the studio. Like they're doing that in mixtapes and this, I don't know what the other ones are like, but this one is I think noteworthy because all of the songs and all of the beats are like other songs that he's like rapping over. Well, that's why they're, that's why it's free because they don't want to pay for the sampling. So right, they'll, right. they'll, he takes, um, this is why I'm hot. Um, right. Seat down. No, it's not called that. It's called top back. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. All like, uh, crazy Gnarls Barkley. Um, right. yeah. It's, it's a Sierra it's, song on there. Yeah. It's a, it's literally a, uh, a copyright thing <laughs> yeah right right but it is also interesting because it is him kind of like navigating the world of like pop and hip-hop and like figuring out his place in that and like sure. him kind of d- proclaiming that he has a place in it because like people viewed a lot of his rap as being just like dumb and like not you know cerebral as like other you know mm. more like acclaimed hip-hop like jay-z um or like kanye west was well, he it, this album is all about free association, and it's all yeah, about like yes. how many different ways can we talk about drugs, guns, and sex? Yeah, and he <laughs> right. he tops every metaphor he has about like weed. He makes a yeah. better one after yeah. that, which is what is it? I'm so high, I'm eating stars. Yeah, I'm is so high, I can eat a star. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Well, let's let's listen to a couple songs from it. Yeah, um, let's listen. So I let, brought in uh, "Seat Down Low." I wasn't sure what to bring in because there are a lot of really great tracks, but I think this might be one of my favorites or something that like gets at what I think works really well at the album. Yeah. That's me and T, man. T at dot com, bitch. <laughs> Tip, fuck with your boy. Hey, that is my brother's ladies and gentlemen, T.I. And he is the king, bitch. Don't get that shit twisted. And me, I am the best rapper alive, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. <laughs> Hello. This is the Drought Three, and it's been a minute since I've rapped on a Manny Fresh beat. But uh, I guess I go ahead on the show these niggas to do one of your beats, man. Listen, I like my seat down low, and my windows like they crack. Riding with a bad hoe, with a girlfriend in her back. I like to get real high, and I never look back. And you don't wanna try me. I think I might like it because it does have like a Millie vibes in a lot of ways. Like the flow is very, very a Millie. Oh my 
So, an added layer to this song, which is, I guess, for Lil Wayne historians, is his first albums with uh, Cash Money were produced by Manny Fresh. He did he did like the Juvenile albums, like. Mm-hmm. all the Hot Boys albums, and then the first Carter albums. And then mm-hmm. Manny split with Cash Money, and Wayne picked different beats, more like okay. East Coast, like Dipset, Cameron beats. So when mm-hmm. he says, it's been the first time since I rapped on a Manny Fresh beat, Manny Fresh mm. was working for T.I., and oh, that was gotcha. like literally the first... this is a T.I. song. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. So. Wow. I love that. I, I, I didn't know that's what that, that lyric meant. That's great. Um, you want to do your song as well? Yeah, let's do our song. Right. I'm, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna uh, scoot around in this one though. Okay. All right. It's a different, a very different flow for him. Totally. Not one that I feel like he's using a lot of his albums. Well, I like this one because he's. Um, God, I can't even talk during it because I'm so just <laughs> enamored, enamored by it. Um, this one is a he goes yikes, yikes, great Scott Storch, can I borrow your yacht? I mean, it's just he just loves. This is like yeah, they talk about this time as like he was actually having fun rapping, like rapping yeah. interested him. Yeah, and I think there was a time after the Carter Three. And when he started, when the legal troubles piled up and right before and then after he went to prison where that life, that same kind of flow, him also getting off of uh, codeine, he's just Mm -hmm. not the same rapper anymore. He's, he's different. It's, it's not as uh, spontaneous now, but, but that, that's like such a crystalline version of, of what made like the 05 to 08 Wayne so, so fun. Yeah, so fun, and he could just, like, he could do whatever he wanted, and it's amazing that he was just able to, like, just kind of dick around, like, with these types of, like, mixtapes in the way that he, yeah. the way that he did. Um, so would, would you say this is your best, your your favorite uh, Lil Wayne mixtape? Either that or Dedication 2, which is, okay. um, yeah, Dedication 2 is, like, really sequenced. Okay. This is more playful in the sequencing. Um, yeah. I've seen a bunch of different yeah. sequencing online, but Dedication 2 is really, because Dedication 2 ends with his most political song, which is called Georgia Bush, which is all about uh, Ka- Katrina and uh, right. Yeah, right. one of the great unsung protest uh, songs of the 2000s. There's a large uh, Louisiana imprint uh, on this on what on this the stuff that you sent me because you got True Detective yes, which takes place yes. in Louisiana <laughs> yeah. and Lil Wayne who's from, yeah. from Louisiana from New Orleans so right right there's a there's a through well, line listen, so listener, watch your... listeners know that I'm Cajun I'm actually Cajun yeah right yeah right my name is yeah, Pierre Lestan <laughs> <laughs> yeah we won't have you try out your accent uh, we'll we'll leave no, that no, for no 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 yeah. no <laughs> 
Um, all right, so let's get back to uh, let's finish let's it up with to two, cinema. two movies. Yeah. So um, you want to talk? Oh about the movie my that god! I assigned yeah. You? So to round out the uh, the triptych of loneliness and alienation, <laughs> John yeah, had yeah. me watch uh, her, mm-hmm. which is in- incredible that I have. Pr- uh, uh, like prided myself on uh, watching every Oscar film, at least when I became like a cinephile in like 2010 right. or whatever. This one had always escaped me. This movie had That's always wild. escaped me. Yeah, and even 2013, I was like making sure I saw all, most most of the movies around this. Like it came out around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. I wasted my time. I saw this dumb fucking movie with, with that was shot in Pittsburgh so of course I had to see it but it was with Casey Affleck and Christian Bale it, it, much more interesting on paper and I also like was like oh I have to see fuck what's the Mark Wahlberg Navy Seals thing uh, Lone Survivor oh, Lone Survivor oh god yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. oh yeah I made a point existed. to see those but uh yeah yeah when well came... who has time for her when you have to watch American Hustle right, right. yes 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 <laughs> um, which was a walkout of mine um, really yep yep um. Yeah, so I thought it was going to be much creepier. Mm, I thought right. it was going to be much more sinister. And I, I think the brilliance is of, it because of Joaquin's mustache on the uh, on the poster. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because of the mustache <laughs> and like he plays very. We don't have to talk about the Joker, but like if we think about like the Master, um, yeah. you know, he plays really dialed in guys yeah um and i thought it was going to be a lot sinister more sinister but uh there is a little bit of kind of evil in the movie but it's just hinted sure. at yeah and what i like about the movie is that the technology is not explained which is mm-hmm. it, it, that is chef's kiss for me i do not yes. care about how stuff works i do d- yeah, really have, do not care and like that's why Sp- i can't that's why i can't do a lot of sci-fi like, but Spike Jones doesn't care either. He's more interested yeah. in like loneliness and what is a connection and friendship, right. betrayal, all that, all that kind of right. stuff. Um, yeah, it's oh my god! I it, this movie also hits different now. Um, yes, yeah. And I think as we're all living in this post this quarantine world, you know, touch is gone. Right, you know, touch like even like a fist bump or a handshake is is not as commonplace now. And I was hanging out with some people yesterday, and and someone in the party we were we were talking about navigating the dating scene mm-hmm. in quarantine. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and sh- and this this person said, "I just miss being held." And oh. that that yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I really, I, I really hit that. I mean, of course, I had to clown yeah. it in the moment because yeah, I have defen- I have defense mechanisms. But uh, <laughs> right, right in the inside, I was like, "Me too." <laughs> right, right. Um, and I think the Theodore, the character, he he's living that. He's yeah. living that, and yeah, there are a lot of things in this movie that shouldn't work, like the sex scene between him and oh, yes, I know. <laughs> it really shouldn't work. Yeah, but it does. It does. It, it does. does, and it pays off with one of the best shots I've ever seen about uh, over a, a cityscape, a nightscape yeah. of a city, and it yeah. is stunning. Yeah, 
It is. Yeah, the production design of this movie is is yeah. really remarkable. But I but I also love that the time, the date, even the location is I mean we know it's LA, but the time like the when the movie takes place is ambiguous. Um Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I was uh I was really really glad I saw this. Yeah. Yeah, so I the reason that I or the way that I found out that Pat hadn't seen this movie before was because when we did our episode on our favorite romance movies, this was actually going to be my second choice. It was either going to be... That's um, right. You're right. It was either going to be Calling By Your Name or Her, and then I mentioned it to Pat, and he said he hadn't seen it. I was like, oh, this needs to be fixed uh, as soon as possible because this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Another one of my favorite screenplays of all time. I love Joaquin Phoenix in this movie. I love Scarlett Johansson, like even though... We never she we just hear her voice, which mm. uh, for those of you who don't know, I feel like th- I need to explain this movie less in the apartment. But in case you don't know what her is about, Joaquin Phoenix like uh, gets like an operating system, like kind of like a Siri type of character, or, like a Google Home or whatever, or Alexa, and they end up like falling in love with one another. Mm. Um, and that's pretty much more or less what it's about. Um, but yeah, Scarlett Johansson is really remarkable, even though it's just her voice and like. It's amazing how much it works, even though like Scarlett Johansson is obviously a very well-known voice that like anyone who has seen a movie in the last like 15 yeah. years probably knows very well. Well, there's a specific um, warmth to her voice that's yes, quite alluring. Yes, yes I, I would agree. Um, yeah, and I I just love I just love the movie. I'm interested in like I'm interested in movies about romance, but I'm also very interested and in, like I write a decent amount about like what it's like to navigate romance and when it like when technology is so intertwined Mm. with it you know like if you look at a lot of like romantic poetry it's all about like writing letters and there are all these like metaphors about letter writing and it's actually about like that act because that's how people communicate with one another whereas like now if you want to talk about romance in like a realistic fashion you have to talk about the internet you have to talk about technology and this just like embraces that and has does have like a sinister side to it and has like a sort of cautionary Mm. aspect of it but it is also very tender and Mm. like you really feel for these characters i remember when this movie came out there was a lot of debate as to whether or not it actually was like a romantic movie or whether it was like a kind of like sort of like soft horror movie to some degree oh and i've always thought that it's like super romantic i don't buy that at all i don't buy that at all yeah well what's interesting is that the other characters in the movie treat their romance very seriously yes right right except for rooney mara which that scene is oh yeah that scene is rough yeah but she still kind of buys it there is nothing in this movie that's like you're a fucking weirdo yeah like that's and i think that's interesting in the movie yes i think that like i agree with that i mean he he and her go on a double date with another couple and the mm-hmm. other couple treats it like it's nothing. Like yes. she, which right. is, I thought it was really brilliant. Yeah. Um, oh, Chris Pratt. I did not want to throw him off a skyscraper in this movie. <laughs> I, I mean, love that it. in and of itself. I, I love it when he film. plays these like schlubby yeah. guys. These like schlubby, yeah. like affable. Like, well, yeah. Because you don't find yourself questioning why you weren't cast in that role. Yes. Yes. As soon as he got so, muscles, I was little... like, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> Jurassic <laughs> yeah. World, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, I cannot abide. Um, fun fact, after I saw this movie, um, I went home and, uh, or as I was driving home, you know what album I fired up? Hotelier. 
Yep, I yeah. listened to the that introduction to the album just because it was all yeah. I don't know. It all just really connected, <laughs> and I probably be, went home and could not pay me to be in that car at that moment. No, yeah, <laughs> no, it would have been dangerous for everyone involved. Uh, yeah, great, great movie. Uh, check it out. Did you? Is it is it streamable? No, I had to rent it. Or did you have to? Yeah, oh. Oh. you can uh, you can invoice me the two two ninety nine for that one. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, your pick. Yeah, what did you watch? <laughs> So I watched the, uh, I think also 2013. Yeah, yeah. Film. Yeah. Uh, directed by Michael Bay. Yeah. <laughs> a little, a little indie startup called uh, Pain and Gain. Yeah. Which I Pat had I knew, I remember Pat talking about this movie in 2013 and him talking about how much he liked it, and had heard him reference it here and there. Um, but had never had never seen it, had never really been drawn to it, uh, and Pat finally assigned it to me, and uh, and I watched it. So okay, <laughs> I I am a very this is tough. I, Just go. I really I really love Pat. I really respect him. I really yeah. respect his opinions. I really want to like things that he likes yeah and really take his opinion seriously and his taste seriously and i i think that this movie is really interesting okay i think this movie is really fascinating um guys he is so diplomatic he is so <laughs> diplomatic um this is the teacher I, I, this is the the high school teacher yeah, coming through. yeah this is my students this is me responding to my students like banal insights about catcher and the rye um I think the movie's really interesting. Like, it's based on a true story, so it's about like, yeah. it's about these like weight trainers it's, who essentially it's, like it's Fargo to... with bodybuilders. Yeah. yeah, that's true. In yep, Miami, that is essentially true. In Miami, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, and based on a true story, and uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I want you to tell me why you like this movie, Pat. <laughs> that that's that's what I that's what I want to start off because I. Okay. I, I I okay. think that there is okay. stuff that I can affirm there, okay. but I don't know where to begin because there's just so much to this movie. Okay. So, so wh- tell, tell me about what you like about this movie. So what I like about this movie is it's really interesting class satire. Um, mm-hmm. It takes place in the most shall- one of the most shallow parts in the- of the country, Miami. Mm-hmm. And it is right. about a guy... Sorry to all our Miami listeners. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> all one go, of you. Go, 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 go Dolphins. Um... Go Dolphins! Don't they? They always spank you guys. It's always really embarrassing. I know. Well, yeah, but I I want to. I want to oh, win right, right. back yeah, over. Sorry, love, yeah. love Miami. Um, <laughs> uh, it is about this guy who he's a personal trainer, but he mm-hmm. played by Mark Mark Wahlberg, Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. and he is obsessed with becoming a millionaire, becoming rich, mm-hmm. and he is yeah. obs- he consumes all those shitty self-help books, all those shitty mm-hmm. goes to the seminars, goes to the seminars, all that kind of stuff, and he gets this client played by Tony Shalhoub, the great Tony Shalhoub. Mm-hmm. So good. and he hatches this plan to basically kidnap this guy, steal his identity and then cash out from this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aided by Dwayne Johnson. And he's Dwayne aided the by Johnson. The Rock, who I think this is his best movie, acting-wise. Yeah. That's it. That yeah. And that is not an ironic thing to say. I actually no, no. think yeah. that The Rock is really good in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. He's not on his, like, he's not on the Jumanji shit. He's not on the right. fucking whatever. He's 
kind of acting. He's like saying the yeah. lines in this movie. Um, yes. And it's, you know, it's like a maximalist Fargo. There's not a lot of subtlety in this movie. Um, there's not a right. lot of artfulness to it. There's a lot of close-ups and there's a lot of lens flares. And, you know, Michael Bay, mm-hmm. like, he pumps up the saturation on the South Florida scenes. Um mm-hmm. And it's just, it's like a, I've read a lot of reviews about this movie in 2013 Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, Michael Bay, he's not clever enough to do this stuff. He's not clever enough to actually make a point. But I think Mm -hmm. in 2020, now that I've I've seen it a bunch of times this year, (laughs) and I've also seen it in 2013. um, This is what he was watching instead of watching The Apartment. I actually think that, yes, he didn't know what he was doing but he actually stumbled upon more than we give him credit for. And I don't think those things that he stumbles on in the movie were his intent. Right. Like I don't I, so like the um, his version of the American dream, he probably didn't think that he was commenting that much on it, but it's mm-hmm. pretty I think it's pretty interesting. So I I think that all of that happens not because of Michael Bay, but be, but in spite of Michael Bay. Like, I think that oh, I, happens. I, I think I would agree with you. I think I would agree with you. And, and, and I think that everything that prevents the movie from working is just is just Michael Bay being Michael Bay. Sure. You know? Like, I think that the movie is well cast, and I think he probably created, like, an environment in which, like, Mark Wahlberg, Dwayne Johnson... Um, uh, Anthony Mackie. Who, Anthony Mackie, who's also really great. Yeah. Um, Tony He's... Shalhoub. Like, I think they all, like, felt like they could, like play and 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 they have there's totally chemistry there um and the saturation i think works really well in some of the moments when like the film is more measured and the problem is every single time we like for every like you know any for every 10 minutes of like more measured sort of like i don't know held back filmmaking in which like the the details of these characters speaks for themselves Mm. the details of the situation which is so totally batshit crazy just on its face yeah something just comes along that just like fucking ruins it for me and it just i then i just reminded that michael bay is directing this movie and it just there are too many moments and then by the end it's just it's a total michael bay fuck fest and by then it's just i'm totally gone right yeah and that's because i was actually like for the first like half hour i was kind of like all right like I'm here for this. Like, okay, I can see why people, like, weren't really into it. People weren't picking up on it. But, like, this is all working for me. And then the rest of the movie happened. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is mm. <laughs> this is Michael Bay. Because, mm-hmm. like, I think it is it is a comedy. And there is, like, um, some, I think, attempt. Not attempt. But there's, like, the an intention, I suppose, to, like, say something or use, like, this these characters to, like, suggest something about, like, the American dream or, like, this system that we live in. But in order for like in order for you like to get across like the comedy and like the commentary, I think you need to have like two things. You need to have like patience as a filmmaker, and you need to have like some sense of like love slash kindness for these characters. And the problem with this movie is that it is being directed by one of the most impatient and unkind filmmakers mm-hmm. currently alive today. I have a I hear you. To defend this is Michael Pat Bay, being diplomatic. I, <laughs> to defend Michael Bay, not for just just in this movie, I'm not defending him for yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> anything related to Megan Fox yeah. or yeah, Owens. we won't stand for this um, Megan Fox erasure. Uh, I think he slyly, he's a cheesy guy, right? 
He's a yeah. cheesy, corny guy. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying all this because he got into uh, Wesleyan University, which is a college I got rejected from, by the way. This is totally divorced from that. Yeah. Uh, I will make well, that very yeah, clear. I would call that a win for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I think he slot Whether or not he knows it, mm-hmm. I think he sympathizes with Mark Wahlberg's character. Oh, for sure. And yes, I think absolutely. I, I'll buy that maybe some of the other characters are totally un... He doesn't know what to do with Ed... So Ed Harris is uh, the, oh, the yeah. private investigator who appears in the movie to kind of like catch the guys. Yeah. And there is a really interesting character going on there. He's yeah. like a hard-boiled detective, but retired yeah. from the job. Yeah. It's Very an interesting. Grounded. It's an interesting character. Obviously, Michael Bay has no idea no how to interest. use him. Yeah. He has no interest <laughs> yeah. in him. He has no interest yeah. in how to aid the story. Um, uh, okay. I mean, spoiler alert: like the women in this movie are totally useless, nonsensical, yeah. um, caricatures. But that's of, like, that's how every... he. But that's how he looks. Yeah. This is not a defense, by the way. But that's how he looks yeah. at women. Like that is the yeah. gaze of a woman. That is the male gaze right. of a Michael Bay film. Right. right I think right. he really relates to Mark Wahlberg's character. I think he really relates yeah. to that Nietzschean quality of the American dream. Yeah. And from what I've read and from some interviews of his, I mean, Michael Bay is like, obviously he's not just a Uber like pro military. I mean, he's an imperialist. Like all yeah, of his totally. movies are porn for the, <laughs> yeah. mil- and even this movie is, uh, is porn for SWAT teams. Right, you know, right. I have never seen yeah. a SWAT team look better when he put the, he puts the fucking GoPro on their submachine guns yeah. when they go to arrest Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, you were googling like SWAT applications, yeah. like right <laughs> after this movie came out. You updating your well, LinkedIn profile. Will they accept somebody with asthma and a nut allergy? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Spoiler, Pat. No, they won't. So I I I think there's a little more love and admiration than you're giving it credit for. But I do, I do see your point. I, I do see your but, point. Uh, yes. I think that's love for the also, wrong The movie things. is too, for what it is, the movie is way too long. And even yeah, me, yes. who I've defended this movie, even when I have a podcast, even have I defended on a podcast, even <laughs> I've defended this movie, even when I don't want to. Yeah. And I will still say it's way too fucking long. I don't like, you know, like what movie is rebel Wilson in? She's really good. She's really funny. Yeah. But she's not in yeah. the same movie uh, as yeah. they are. I forgot she was in this movie. You know? like uh, Yeah. And she's like the most fully realized female character in this. Right. And, and there's like a weird something. like interracial like yeah. stuff that, that yeah. only Michael Bay would think about like, oh, this is what a white girl and a black guy would. Like, this right. is how their relationship right. would look. Yeah. Like, I could totally pull this off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I And I, I actually like if it were 90 minutes, I'd be I mean. I would say that it would be better if it were 90 minutes, but I think if it were 90 minutes, the half hour that Michael Bay would cut out is not the half hour that should be cut out. Yes. He would probably cut yes. out all of those yes. most measured moments, whereas, yes. like, he would, you know, you got to have the fucking toe coming off, right? Like, you got to have the dog eating the toe. Right, you right. got to have that in yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just that that's what I'm just like. I, I really don't think that Michael Bay is capable of making a smart movie. Like, I am in that camp. Sure. Um, sure. Sure. Like, I think the most he has going for him is, like, The Rock. Mm-hmm. Which, like, people are always like, The Rock is actually a great movie. It's like, no, The Rock is actually a, a fine movie. Yeah. <laughs> that will have to be by Michael Bay, but we're really great him on a curve. Um, so I think that's just part of it. And it's also, like, it's written by, like, the two, like, you know, Marvel, like, you know, they wrote, like, all the Avengers movies. So it's mm. just, like, there's nothing going here where, like, anyone is really, like, 
none of the people involved in the like writing directing side of this like well have more than three brain cells each, to throw together. each character is introduced with a first person monologue yes and yes. those monologues are really rough those monologues yeah, are. are really rough and the one that yeah. works is the rocks because it's creepy mm. because his character yeah. is strange Yes. And weird yeah. and not and in complex and not in the same world as Anthony Mackie and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, I would agree with that, which I think is why he why. Yeah, why I think that's why he just stands out so much in mm. the movie, like why his character stands out, why his mm. character stands out, because I think he's just given more to work with. Like he actually has conflict and has right. like stakes, whereas like Mark Wahlberg is just like this dude who like, you know, is wants this thing and he's going to go after it and same sure. with anthony mackie um the movie it's it's a really fascinating movie it, and it's and i i just i i want to be able to sink my teeth into it more but i think i just can't get over who is behind it at mm. all like i really think there is the potential for it to be like something about like the saturation of it all and how like excessive and how it all like ties into like the the excesses of what's talking of what's being talked about, like like you can do that with Wolf of Wall Street, which also I think came, did I, that also came out in two thousand thirteen, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can do that with Wolf of Wall Street, but I trust Martin Scorsese to be well, doing that because intentionally. he he knows what is interesting about fictional characters. Like he right, he can right. he can read a script and be like, this works, this doesn't. This is what's interesting right. about this person. The audience will like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and Michael Bay yeah, just doesn't. Right. I mean, I think a good. Ex- I mean, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. Ste- I'm gonna quote because um, I've okay. taken my Carnegie Mellon University academic integrity. Right. Right. There's yeah, a great. Now you're on there's notice. a great podcast with uh, my favorite film critic Wesley Morris where he talks about Pain and Gain, which he was not a fan of in 2013 because he was. Mm-hmm. He's of the camp that he says Michael Bay. Everything in this movie is accidental. Everything that works is accidental. <laughs> right. And he's like, the best part of, like, the funniest thing that Michael Bay ever did is in Bad Boys 2, when Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are on the highway. I was like, boats. It, it, like, it's, it's the craziest yeah. uh, car chase you've ever seen. And Martin Lawrence yeah. is literally going like, what the fuck is happening? I'm horrified. This is fucking insane. And that, that's funny. Yeah. Like that's actually funny. Yeah. But that wasn't Michael Bay's idea. Right. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> right. because like Martin Lawrence yeah. is like a really he's a tremendous comedy actor and like Yeah. Mark the actor knows what's happening. Michael Bay doesn't know what's happening. I mean he Michael Bay knows how to orchestrate all that stuff. Yeah. But Yeah. I mean, he would go along with it. I'm oh, sure he's totally. the kind of guy who would laugh and be like, Yeah, dude, yeah. like that's awesome. You yeah, yeah, whatever, man. Fist bump. Uh Yes, I think that's true. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll, I'm here for The Rock. I'm here for Bad Boys Two. I'm here for Transformers. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm there for all of those things. Um, I don't know. Maybe I need to watch Panty Gate. Maybe it was just too. Maybe I was just sure. It's. It was just too much of an undertaking. Yeah. Uh, what well, is two and a half hours? It's, so it's, it is an undertaking. Yes. It, yes, it is. Uh, it is. But you know what? I'm glad. Glad I watched it. I feel closer. I feel closer to oh. you. Uh, after it and honestly like what more oh. could you ask for why well, i feel closer to you too i feel more alone and closer to you at the same time yeah 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 and that's the that's the paradox of uh, of being my friend is to, to be closer to me is to feel more alone so 
Well, I think uh, I think we're in I think we're in good shape. We obviously have things to plug. Yeah, or Pat has things um, to plug once again. So go check out Nut Boys on my Instagram, and that's at p s t a n n thirty five. Um, and if if mm-hmm. you guys could keep uh writing those reviews, if you haven't written a review yet, p- please write a review for us on Apple Podcasts. It really uh really helps us. Thank you. Yeah, and rec- recommend the pod to uh, to a friend. Yeah. Pick, a, pick an episode. Yeah. At this point, we've got, what, 18? Yeah. 18 episodes, 19 episodes to our name. Uh, yeah. There's got to be got to be something that will appeal yeah. to the to the lover of media in your and life. If, so if, if you're on Hinge that episode. and you see on someone's profile yeah. <laughs> that they like podcasts, be like, oh, have you listened to Pat yeah. and John? And then they'll never talk to you again, yeah. so you win. Yeah, yeah. T- take the L. Take the L for your two, uh, your two favorite podcast hosts. Awesome. All right. Well, normally we thank the guest for uh, for for joining us, but uh, in this situation, I will uh, thank the listener for joining us, and uh, Pat, I will thank you for joining me on this wild adventure. Thank you, John. Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>